T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. And blast off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Jake Schaefer Campaign. I'm your host, Jacob Mark Schaefer, and this is my campaign. If you're a first-time listener, I bet you're thinking, don't I know that guy from the hit CBS drama, The Bold and the Beautiful? And yes, but I want you to know I'm much more than just an actor and part-time model. I'm also a game master of my Numenera group, and I've been known to write books from time to time. My newest novel, The Fleeting Prince, will be coming out later this month through my publisher, Bold Venture Press. They're mostly known for some Zora books and the like, and they've decided to take a chance with me going into high fantasy. I couldn't be more excited, and I hope you check out some of their other works. With that in mind, I'll be releasing chapters from the audiobook on this podcast bi-weekly. So, if you're a fan of the show, please be sure to pick up a copy of the book as well, and maybe leave a good review. That way, I'll be able to release more chapters from all my campaigns on this podcast for all of you. Now, without further ado, the first chapter in The Fleeting Prince. In the age of foundation, there was nothing, nothing but the void of infinite darkness. But the voice of the Creator fluttered against the face of the void, saying, Let there be light. And light was, and with it came illumination, exposing an abyss of cold and distant land below. The everlasting serpents, now revealed by the great light, coiled in anger. The eternal giants, now uncovered, appeared from the forests, and humankind, now empowered by the light, emerged from the mountains. With the strength of gods they waged war, serpents, giants, and man. Mountains crumbled, great forests were leveled, and many fell into the seas until finally the giants were no more. Then from the heavens, they descended, the watchers sent to guide mankind, Baterol, the first of the black flame, the sorcerer of Amoros with the knowledge of enchantments, Azazel, the lord of war, and Shem, who held the knowledge of all names. With the watchers there to lead man, the tides of war turned against the serpents. Azazel taught men the ways of war, and with the fire of Baitirel, mankind burned their flesh. The enchanted armor of Amaros kept them safe from poison, and Shem revealed the serpents' names, separating the chasm and casting them into the depths. With the serpents abolished, The voice of the Creator called out to the Watchers, saying, Return! But they did not. Worshipped as gods, they stayed, placing themselves above the cities of men, 
and ruling as tetrarchs. The age of man deferred. Thus began the age of watchers. Chapter 1 Men of bone stalked across the hallway, never once turning their heads towards the cell, never once looking inside. They couldn't if they wanted, stuck almost in a dream. Their armor was heavy, but it didn't show. Large, circular shields of iron were carried with ease. Thick chainmail covered their heads and chests, falling down below their waists. In their hands were simple straight swords, the steel old and chipped. They paced endlessly, never stopping, never taking a break. Their slow steps rattled their chainmail. The tip of their swords dragged limply on the stone floor behind them. Their minds gone. They were shadows of themselves. Lennox sat inside the cell with his back leaning against the wall. How long had he been imprisoned? He could not remember. His eyes were closed as he listened to the steps of the guards. He was beginning to forget what they looked like. Not the charred and empty faces they wore now. Their true faces. What they were before they had become hollow. What were your names again? I'm beginning to forget. Lennox spoke the words aloud, but to no effect. The hollowed men continued their empty walk. Golif, right? He asked, watching as one of the men strode across his cell. I don't remember your brother's name, but then he never spoke. At least not to me. Large torches hung on the walls lining the hall in each direction. Great thick spirals of iron held the flames, casting warm light into the air. We could have helped each other. It would have been mutually beneficial, I think. But alas. The roof shook. He tilted his head back. It was hard to look up in his armor, but he managed. He kept his gaze on the wooden beams above and waited. The roof shook a second time, and then a third, then a fourth. Hmm. He looked back towards the iron bars and watched. Not long now, he thought. The roof shook a fifth time, and a sixth, and then he stopped counting. He was waiting for the caretakers. He wouldn't have to wait long, not with the beast rampaging so markedly. They would come soon, too much to repair if they waited long. The undead cathedral was large and had been built tall and strong, but time had passed and the stones were old and weary. And with the bishop dead, most of the caretakers had left. But not all. Lennox smiled underneath his helm and waited. He could wait. Though he was tired of his cell, it was a primal place, dark and damp with a hole cut into the stone floor that acted as a latrine. He had never once used it, but the unbroken stench still lingered in the air his constant companion. He could endure it. He had endured so much already. A bench of rotten wood acted as a bed, but it was even more uncomfortable than the floor. At least the floor was even, and he had grown accustomed to sleeping in his armor. How long since he had taken it off? 
he could not remember. To take it off meant death. The room grew cold. Lennox watched the torches on the wall begin to dwindle down until only the smallest flames remained. The men of bones continued their march. When around the corner, two other men approached. Cloaked in black with their faces hidden, they moved like ghosts, almost floating across the hallway. The cows were pinned forward, hiding their smooth, white skin from the light of the flames, but not from Lennox. They walked in a single file, each of them turning to look inside the cell as they passed. I see you, Lennox said as he peered inside their eyes, past their enchantments, into the deepest part of what they were. They continued to move past the cell when Lennox spoke aloud, words in a language he should not have known. The caretakers faltered, pausing momentarily. Lennox smiled beneath his helm, but a moment later they continued, and his smile vanished. Pity. He shook his head. I felt so sure this time. He watched them reach the end of the hallway and begin to ascend the stairs, when suddenly he called out to them, Weren't there three of you last time? But they were already gone. A hallway abandoned except for the hollow guards. A great pounding shook the cathedral from above then, and continued for some time before gradually growing quiet. The wooden beams above ached as they bent back and forth with the sway of the great stones they supported. One of the beams could endure no longer and split down the middle, tossing up a puff of duffs that lingered in the air for the briefest of moments, before drifting down and finally settling onto Lennox. He hardly seemed to notice. The great pounding ceased, and all had been still for some time before once again the flames diminished. Lennox watched his breath pour out of his helm and disappear into the frozen air. With each inhale the air grew colder, and the flames a little bit darker. Not a sound could be heard as the caretakers descended the stairway, not so much as a whisper. They kept their eyes forward this time as they passed, no longer interested with the man in the cage. Lennox said nothing. He was done for the time being. He had failed again. But no matter, he would triumph in the end. It was the only certainty he knew. With the caretakers gone, peace returned to the undead cathedral. The burning torches grew brighter, casting their light into Lennox's cell. The outline of shadowed bars fell upon him, quivering gently. The men of bones continued their march, and he watched them for some time until finally he closed his eyes. Not to sleep. He no longer slept, but to dream a living dream and to help time pass. He had been in here so long. How much longer must he wait? It was irrelevant. Eventually all ages must come to an end. An unfamiliar sound boomed throughout the stone archways of the cathedral. Lennox opened his eyes, lifting his sights up first to the wooden beams above and then back down towards the guards. If they had heard the disturbance, they showed no signs of it. All was quiet for some time, and Lennox was beginning to doubt what he had heard when a loud and shrill scream echoed in the distance. It was not the cry of an undead. Little or nothing at all left their mouths once they had become hollowed. 
This was a man with blood and soul intact. The distant sound of a skirmish would begin and end with large gaps of silence in between them. Lennox was unsure how many guards still remained in the undead cathedral. How many men would the mystery knight have to fight through? What was his constitution? How strong was his will? Was he here to ring the bell atop the tower? With each scuffle, the sounds of battle and clashing swords drew near, but had drawn near in the past only to fall short like so many times before. Lennox would not be taken in. He remained a statue. With his back against the wall and his eyes forward, he would wait for the knight's arrival. Salvation was close. It would not be long now. Finally, the knight appeared. Lennox could hear him before he could see him. The familiar sound of a suit of armor was known to him. The heavy steps of a man of war were unmistakable to those who knew how to listen. The men of bones were pulled out of their dream. They both stopped just outside of Lennox's cell and stood with their shields raised and their swords held high, watching as the knight approached. A small part of what they once were returned, just enough for them to do their job. Enough to kill an intruder who stalked unwelcome inside the undead cathedral. At last the knight stepped into view. A beast of a man, over six feet tall in height, his armor charred black from head to toe. He wielded a large kite shield in one arm, and a one-handed war hammer in the other. Engraved into the iron and sprouting up from the bottom of the shield was the image of an arch tree. He was a sight to all who laid eyes on him and even Lennox was surprised. The guards moved towards him with reckless speed, swinging their swords down upon the intruder. The Black Knight blocked their attacks with ease, turning his shield sideways so that he could not be flanked. Slowly, he pushed forward. Occasionally, they struck at him, but each time he simply blocked the attack and took another step through the hall until finally he was just outside Lennox's cell. The Black Knight glanced upwards, and seeing that the roof had risen, rushed forward, swinging his shield to the side and casting Goleth to the ground. He lifted his great war hammer and brought it down on the second guard, who was attempting to raise his shield. The hammer hit the shield like thunder and sent it crashing down. The knight brought his hammer up for a second strike, and this time the hammer found its mark, crushing the guard's skull beneath its heavy iron. He fell limply to the ground just as Goleth rose. They faced each other for a moment, the black knight and hollow ghoul, Lennox watched, quiet spectator. Goliath shifted backwards before lunging towards the knight. Lennox didn't think the undead could move so quickly. The black knight sidestepped and brought up his shield, deflecting the sword at an angle before charging into Goliath and pinning him against the iron bars of the cell. In one smooth gesture, the knight quickly let go of his warhammer and drew a dagger from his side. He brought the blade up to Goliath's face and leaned forward. A moment later, Goliath went limp. The Black Knight stepped backwards, removing his blade from the hollow skull. Goliath fell to the ground with a crash, his round buckler rolling loudly on the stone floors before coming to a halt. Well done. You handle yourself beautifully, Lennox said. He was standing now, and moved up close to the iron bars. Had he wished, he could have reached through and touched the Black Knight. Had he wished... The Black Knight shifted his gaze up towards Lennox and examined him for a moment. Oh, still human, are you? He wiped off his dagger and returned it to its sheath. Then he took a step back and picked up his warhammer 
and leaned it against the wall before looking once more at Lennox. His eyes took in the Golden Knight standing inside his prison. Why is there a cell inside a cathedral? Lennox folded his arms. Well, there certainly is a reason, but not one that I know. It was already here when I arrived. The Black Knight stood silent for a moment and then turned and took up his warhammer and began moving towards the stairs. Sir, I would not go to the roof alone if I were you. A giant gargoyle guards the tower, and I have yet to see anyone return alive. The Black Knight turned. A gargoyle? Lennox nodded. He guards the bell tower? Yes. The Black Knight moved back towards Lennox and stopped just outside the bars. Tell me about the creature. Please. I have duties that cannot be left undone. Release me and I will tell you all I know, and fight with you against the creature. Are you here to ring the bell of Colleen? Of course, but that honor will be yours. If you free me from this cell, then I will be in your debt. My sword will be yours and I will help you fight against the creature. The strange knight considered Lennox's words for a moment, and then turned to leave. You're lying. Sir... My blade will be yours. I give you my word. If you leave me here, then I am sure to die. And dying men's lips seldom lie. Farewell, golden knight. Heavy iron footsteps disappeared down the hallway as warm light flickered against the charred black armor of ash. Slowly the knight disappeared up the stairwell. Yet another lamb rushes to slaughter, Lennox thought. He turned and walked back towards the wall of the cell and sat down, leaving one of his legs bent to lean against. The hollow guards lay dead in the hallway, truly dead now, and no longer moving. Golov's twisted and broken face lay in plain sight. Another wasted opportunity, Lennox said aloud, shaking his head. He had time. His vision was narrow inside his helm but he wear a male coif instead of a steel-collared gorget, which let him turn his head freely. He tilted his head back and looked up towards the wooden beams, carrying his gaze past the wood towards the stone roof above. There was a crescent-arched window cut out of stone high above that would have let in light had there been any to let in. Endless darkness lay outside the crescent moon, but he gazed up out of the window nonetheless, until finally the roof began to shake. It was different than before, a true fight, not just a hungry beast. He was hoping for a show, and was not disappointed despite his limited view. Streams of fire flew past the crescent window, lighting up the night and illuminating the beast, only for a moment. But still, the great gargoyle was revealed. The beast appeared just as Lennox had remembered him, and then the flames were gone, and with them the beast. The roof continued to shake as the fight went on. The Black Knight seemed to be doing better than Lennox thought he would. But eventually the flames stopped and soon after a quiet calm returned to the undead cathedral. The stones were once again silent. The shaking had ceased. The caretakers would come again. It was rare to see them so soon after their last visit. Golif's twisted head lay staring at Lennox. Dark, empty sockets where eyes should have been haunted him 
endlessly gawking, as though we were all one big joke. Lennox had seen Dark Souls staring back at him before. He could bear the eyes of some undead soldier. Still, it wasn't pleasant if he thought about it. He considered turning his head away, but ended up leaving it as it was. In the quiet calm of his cell, he could hear a latch begin to open, and the heavy footsteps of a fully clad knight descending the stairwell. The Black Iron Knight returns at last, Lennox thought. It's bad luck I didn't catch your name. The Black Knight's movements were not what they had once been. They were dull and sluggish, the movements of a dead man made up only of bones. His armor was still intact, but was cracked all along the chest piece and dented inwards. Lennox watched the knight move and speculated how he might have died. Crushed to death, I suppose, he thought. The traditional smell of burnt flesh was absent. Why is that? He had seen the flames. It was something to ponder so he didn't mind. Anything to help pass the time. He watched the black knight slowly walk through the stone hallway, meticulously making his way around Golov and his dead brother. He was much louder than the brothers had been, but the change was welcome. Soon the flesh would rot and the smell would be unpleasant, but that would pass quickly. Overall, it would be a nice adjustment. He had enjoyed his conversation with the Black Knight much more than with the brothers. He let his head fall back against the wall and watched the endless march of the Black Knight. The caretakers would come soon, too soon for him to try another incantation. But as always, their coming was welcome. They arrived even sooner than he thought. Distant and hushed footsteps echoed down the hallway, but a strange thought quickly occurred to him. Lennox let out a breath, but saw nothing. The air was warm. The torches on the wall burned bright, and he remembered that the caretakers made no noise when they moved. He looked at the dead corpse of Golof and his brother. They had not been moved. The Black Knight continued his march up and down the hallway, undisturbed by the noise. How long had he closed his eyes? It was hard to gauge time now that it no longer mattered. Lennox sat up. He looked at the wooden beams and then passed them to the crescent window, and then down to the Black Knight. The distant footsteps were not so distant anymore. They were close, just around the corner, and then he appeared. Lennox's eyes narrowed inside his helm as he took in the stranger, dressed more like a thief than a knight. He wielded a dark blue short bow and was gliding down the hallway. The bow drawn back and narrow knocked. He moved quietly towards the Black Knight, who remained oblivious to the stranger's presence. The Black Knight turned and the stranger released the arrow. It flew fast and true, catching the knight in the opened, Y-shaped slit of his bare-boot helm. The knight faltered for a moment before falling to his knees. In a flash of silver, the stranger drew his scimitar and brought it down across the Black Knight's neck, sweeping it from one shoulder blade to the other. The iron helm flew against the wall as the headless body crashed loudly against the floor. The stranger quickly turned back and dropped to one knee, listening quietly to the murmurs of the cathedral. Soon the last echoes of the Black Knight died, and a quiet calm fell upon the stones. The torches burned softly, and inside his cell Lennox remained unmoved, still settled with his back against the wall. He could as well have been a corpse. The stranger was different than the others before him, no enchantments, a none that he could see. 
Yet there was an element of sorcery about the man, something he could not place. That alone made him wonder. The stranger rose. He sheathed his scimitar as he made his way back to his bow and picked it up off the ground where he had let it fall. He spun it around in his hands, checking for cracks, and then pulled on the string to test the tension. Satisfied, he walked back over to the Black Knight and took the arrow out of his eye and cleaned it off before returning it to his quiver. When he had finished, he made his way back in front of Lennox's cell and took a seat opposite him and leaned back against the wall so that he mirrored the prisoner. He rested his bow against his knee and looked up. I was told about you. Perhaps I was too hopeful. As you are now. I don't see how you could help me. Well, this is strange, Lennox thought. He leaned forward slightly, his armor shining gold in the torchlight. Oh, I certainly see how it might appear that way. I suppose it comes down to what you mean by helping you. If you can take me at my word, I promise you, I'm rather capable. I'm sure I can assist you in whichever pursuit you ask of me. I'm actually quite curious how you know about me at all. But that can wait. If you're here to ring the bell, then I must warn you there is a dangerous beast that guards the tower. If you release me from this cell, I will swear my sword to you and help you fight the beast. I'm not here to ring the bell, and I don't need help against the gargoyle. I already know I'll have its head. The wonders never cease with you, stranger. You know so much, yet I know not even your name. I am Shiva of Kataron, captain of the guard and first warden to Oracle Seolasun, and you are Knight Lennox of Martial. Lennox leaned back and ran his hands against his knee. I have not heard that name in a long time. I was called that once, Knight Lennox of Martial. It was so long ago. How is my city? How is Martial? It is a silent city, Shiva answered. He said the word slowly. Full of monsters and magic. Only treasure hunters and madmen go there in search of the four. I see. I'm sorry to hear that. I appreciate your candor, Sir Shiva. Just Shiva, he replied. My mistress would have a word with you. I have come to take you to her. In Kataron? Shiva nodded. Lennox looked up at the crescent window in the darkness that lay past it. He sat motionless in the seclusion of his cell looking out at Shiva. The hard, stone floor beneath him was comforting. He had grown accustomed to it. The darkness of his ancient home. His prison did not bother him. But the unease he felt as he gazed up at Shiva upset him. The man was more than he appeared to be. Very well. If you release me, I will accompany you and speak with your mistress. She will ask a service of you. You must swear that you will see it through. That is the price of your freedom. What is it she would have me do? If I knew that, I would tell you. I know not what my mistress sees, but I believe whatever she may ask of you will take you back to Martial. Ah, what wonderful luck. I wish to return to my home. I have work I must get back to there. It is quite important. 
to me at least. I have left it alone far too long now. Yes, far too long. Shiva pushed himself up off the ground and slung his bow upon his shoulder. Lennox watched him closely, his eyes hidden behind the slit of his helm. There was something troubling about the warden he could not place. He watched as the strange man stepped close to the cell and slung back his leather hood. After seeing Shiva fight, he had pictured him as young. But he was not. At least, he could not put any age to him. At first he was struck by how old the man looked, but the longer he looked the more he realized it was a weariness that he carried. There was a distrust about his large, dark eyes, a hint of knowing that no man could be trusted. For a moment, Lennox thought those eyes could see through him, see him as the man he was beneath his armor. This is a very dangerous man, he found himself thinking, and rightfully so. Lennox rose and stepped close to the bar so that Shiva was but several feet away. He found himself looking up at the man, a head taller than him at least, one hand resting on the hilt of his sword. His clothes were a dark grayish black that faded into shadow, and black leather boots that were silent and mute. His hair was long and black, pushed back from his face so that it rested at his shoulders. His face was weathered but youthful, except for the eyes. I would have you swear your service to my mistress, Shiva said. Lennox nodded. I swear it. I would have you swear an unbreakable oath, he said. Lennox was surprised when he saw the man reach through the bars and open his hand, revealing a red copper ring that grew wide at the top and was engraved minutely with indecipherable script. He was stunned to find that he could not read the lettering. A frightening magic pulsed forth from the copper band. This is old magic, he said, his eyes locked on the ring. Where did you come by such a thing? Ah, you have keen eyes to notice so quickly. My mistress gave this to me. It will bind you to your word. If you were to abandon your duty, well, the world is not big enough to hide you from me. The ring's twin, Lennox whispered. Your mistress wears it? Shiva nodded. She made them, the pair, and bound them to each other as brother and sister. More like master and slave, Lennox growled. This is dangerous magic. Only if you break your oath. What is it she wishes me to do? I have told you already. I do not know, but I will be with you, and two others as well. To Martial? In the end, yes, but I cannot say when. You were the second of three I was sent to gather. The first is waiting for us outside on this mountain, and the third resides in the Wizard's Guild near Solier. Lennox reached his hand toward Shiva and left it hovering just above the ring. How long had he been in prison? An eternity. He could continue waiting. Another night would come, eventually. One that would free him with fewer demands. It was a great debt before him, and the weight of the ring was heavy. Could he bear it? He was not one to go against his word. I'm simply trading one prison for another, he thought.
He picked up the ring and looked up toward Shiva. My work has waited a long time. I suppose it can wait a little bit more, he said, and slipped off his glove before placing the ring onto the ring finger of his left hand. He quickly replaced his glove. Now, I would be very grateful if you could free me from this cell. If you make your way up the stairs just down the hallway, you'll come to the attic. There should be a wooden case hanging on the inside wall. The key should be there. Shiva smiled, and Lennox questioned if he had just made the wrong decision in taking the ring. He could feel it burning him where he stood, its magic calling out to its master. It was then that he saw a similar ring resting on the middle finger of Shiva's hand. Curious, he thought. He watched as Shiva stepped away, his eyes still taking in the golden night, weighing him upon the scale of his mind. There was no telling how well he had measured. The stranger turned and made his way along the hallway, placing his hood back upon his head as he reached the stairwell and ascended. Lennox looked down at the engraving of his ring. The etchings of letters and symbols that he could not identify was alarming. A new form of lettering, possibly? But it looked familiar. He twisted the ring on his finger and attempted to pull it off. It remained firmly in place. He smiled. That would have been too easy. Dropping his hands, he looked out his cell towards the stairwell. Where was Shiva? More than enough time had passed for him to have found the key and returned. The roof began to shake. No, Lennox shouted as he looked up at the crescent moon window. No, 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 that imbecile. Why, what are you doing? The stones creaked and groaned as blasts of fire flashed across the window. An endless stream of flame. Left, then right, the fire roared. And right, then left, dodged Shiva. Lennox could catch only glimpses through the window. His angle was horrible, and the fight quickly drifted further and further from the crescent frame. The cathedral shook as it always did when the beast raged war, an endless pounding as the massive creature flew into the air before pouncing down upon its prey. Lennox had seen it before, and he watched it now in his mind. Again, the fighting lasted longer than he imagined it would, but soon the flames were sparse and the pounding on the roof began to diminish until the stillness of the stones returned. That fool, Lennox thought, as rage began to take him. He grabbed at the iron bars and screamed into the silence, and that is when he heard it. Overtaking his calls of anguish came the piercing shriek, a long, drawn-out call of death. It was nothing close to human, more beast than man. It was something else, a demon. Lennox's hands ran down the rough iron bars. The cold texture was lost upon his thick gloves. He stepped along the bars until he reached the far corner wall of his cell, hoping for a glimpse of something, anything, through the crescent window. Lennox's heart raced. He was not afraid. Far from it. A rapturous hope filled his heart. It seemed as though he had been standing a long while when at last he heard the faint sound of footsteps descending down the stairwell. Lennox wished Shiva would hasten his return. As it was... There was nothing for him to do but wait. When at last Shiva appeared, he was moving rather slowly and was favoring his right leg. Still, his movements had a certain grace to them, a poise lost to men who donned full suits of armor, such as himself. 
Lennox found himself watching the mysterious stranger in a daze, the limping figure moving towards the door of his cell, his hand gripping at a large, circular ring with an excess of keys dangling and clinking together with each step. He stopped just outside the door opposite Lennox. Which one is it? He said, lifting the large ring up for Lennox to see. Ah, well, let me look. He reached his hand out and took the ring from Shiva, pushing the keys aside one by one until he reached the end. He held the ring up and passed it back to Shiva. I couldn't say. I guess you'll have to try them all. An irritated scowl flashed across Shiva's face. It was gone a moment later as he quietly went about trying each of the keys on the cell door. One by one he tried them all until at last the key turned inside the lock and the door swung open. You'd better be worth all of this, Shiva said, staring at Lennox through the open door. I imagine we'll find out soon enough, the both of us. And with that, Lennox stepped outside of his cell and closed the door behind him.